is going to be funny hearing me read this. So I'm just going to put a disclaimer. I might sound like I need hooked on phonics, but whatever. But whatever. Hi, you know, when do I ever go on script? Oh, man. I was going to try and cheers you here. (laughs) (laughs) But it like goes out. I'm thinking, um, you know, I was using my Tipsy's mug all day today. And I was going to put my drink in my Tipsy's mug. And then I was like, no, I'll class it up. And then I knew you were going to have your Tipsy's mug. I'm thinking I might... I should go get my Tipsy's mug. I'm having a hot toddy. How do you make a hot toddy? Mine's special. I use uh, tension tamer tea and Jameson and lemon. And I throw a few drops of the oregano oil in there. Oh. And honey. Oh, honey. 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 <laughs> that one reminds me of like a blow up doll. <laughs> okay. We've started. We've started. Hey, Carlene. Hello, Alma. And how are you on this fine evening? I am wonderful. How are you? Delicious. Now, last time I looked high because I was looking down. And I want to make sure my eyes are open this time. Your eyes are open. Mine don't look open. I look like... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Are you good? Hi, Alma. Hi. How are you? Yeah. I'm great. Hi. How are you? I'm the surprise face. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. This is so confusing right. for the people oh, that are god. only listening to the audio part <laughs> and oh are my not god. listening. That's hilarious. <laughs> they wouldn't even know what we're doing. That's yeah. funny. All right, I'm gonna um take another drink because we we must need it. I think we do. So I've been recording officially for 42 minutes from when we started because I haven't turned off. I haven't turned off audacity since the first time. Oh, so we've been fucking around for 42 minutes with this thing. Which is what we do all the time, right? Yeah, except for this time we had technical difficulties we needed to mess with. Well, I'm glad we were able to do this tonight, even though we're a little late. Yeah. And and the debate is tonight. Huh? The debate is tonight. Oh, shit. We're missing it. Darn. Listen. Right? I'm going to go. Not going to go anywhere. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Hey, All I right. Even... Well, so uh, you're, you just got over being sick. Yeah. So you had chlamydia. Is that what you had? <laughs> <laughs> you make my life sound more exciting than it actually is. <laughs> They were having, uh, Wendy Williams was doing her talk show and she kept, I know Saturday Night Live is going to have a field day Oh because yeah. she was talking about the president having coronavirus, but she kept calling it different names. Like she was <laughs> calling it coronavirus. I think it was Kimmel or Fallon, one of them that were making fun of it. And I was just like, how is nobody here telling her that's not it? Or she's just like, uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> It's whatever I want it to be. Exactly. I'm Wendy. Yeah. Did she call so, it chlamydia? <laughs> no, but that's what reminded me of it because she called it something that was like just <laughs> not made up. Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's why I said chlamydia though because it reminded me of that story, and they were talking about it last night. So I'm wearing shorts Ooh. again on my wicker chair, but this time I put a towel on there. So I'm not going to have a waffle legs. You need to go order yourself a new chair, write that stuff off on the business expense check. Okay. (laughs) 
I should. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Albert. One of those ergonomic chairs. You have to do payroll and stuff on that chair, so you can write it off. Go get it. I should. Yeah, it's an office expense, girl. I mean, I like my my chair. I just don't like the way it feels on my back. Yeah. I know why you want me to get a chair so I can let (laughs) you sit in the chair. The nice chair. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, I mean, stay in that one. We might have another good video. Right? Maybe. (laughs) That one might break, and then we'll have more, more footage. <laughs> oh my gosh! I just love that logo. What? I love our logo. The logo. Me too. I love it. Me too. The show party. Show party. Here I am in this. Uh, got the bouncing wow wow behind me. The boy room. I call this the boy room. This, the boy room. This was my boy. Oh. Yeah, it's it's a little bit under construction. Moved uh, this bed in here that's probably not going to stay. Got to touch up some walls because uh, Aiden hung his big screen on the wall and didn't fix it after he left. Oh, I know how that goes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I got still have some stuff in here that the kids say they're going to take. It's what hey, I can't remember. Did we ever do our September Patreon person? We had a new person. Did we thank them? On the last episode? You know, I thought about him today. I was like, I need to call Fred. It was Fred, right? Yeah. Fred Center. Yeah, I need to call Fred and tell him thank you. That was Thank so you, sweet. Fred. We appreciate it. Thank you, so, Frederick. So, so, so much. You have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. It was very sweet. It was very sweet. So supportive. I love that he's supporting us. Me too. <laughs> and just like, just that shows like, oh, thanks. Thanks for having our back. That's really sweet. Exactly. Exactly. So I just wanted to make sure we we did that this time around. And I wanted to tell you, remember the other night you texted me about Lori Vallow? Yeah, but they didn't say anything new on there. No, but you know what they did say that kind of pissed me off was that she can get up to 10 years. That's it? Yeah. Murder. Well, you know what, though? There are people who are in prison for drug charges, for having marijuana. They have longer sentences than these assholes who have molested children or murdered children. Child abuse, their sentences are less than somebody with drug charges. Facts. That pisses me off. That pisses me off. Totally pisses me off. I think if you kill a child, it should be the ultimate, the ultimate price. It should be. Kill your own child at that? You're fleshing blood? Blood bless you, begala? Then you. Bad time. <laughs> your own fleshing, <laughs> yeah. Your own fleshing blood, then that's just, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. Like it, that should be quadruple life sentences. Never see. I don't want people to die. I want them to spend their life in prison to live it out. Yes. Like I, that's the only reason why I'm, I don't believe in the whole death penalty because to me, that's the chicken shit way out. I agree. I totally agree. It's too easy. What? Oh, you're going to put them out of their misery. They probably want to die anyway. They have no value on life anyway. So putting them out of their misery, that's what they want. Exactly. Well, hey, I'm going to tell you, the guy that I'm covering this time around, he's going to be in prison for a very long time. Well, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. Yep. You, you know what else I have? You ever notice? <laughs> You're all, like, now that I'm looking at myself in the camera. Yeah. Well, I, as I'm looking, I was watching you and then I got a glimpse of me and I'm noticing this eye. And it's like, even when I smile, it's like this one's shut. Because when I had my car accident, you know, I like lost all the skin right here. Oh, my God. Oh, that was a shiny forehead. 
Anyway, I lost all the skin, so I had to have plastic surgery, and they only gave me a facelift on one side. <laughs> so I put balloons in there. And so this side is droopier, and this side is up. So, like, it'll look like this eye is closed, and this eye is like. Mine are naturally like that. <laughs> I have one that's just like. <laughs> that's why I have things, though, so that that scar, because it's like crooked. Oh. You know, I always have to have the 80s bangs going down. Righty. And then I don't have like a full, see, like the eyebrow goes. I never noticed that. Yeah. It's a, see, I do a good job having it. You do. But it's a very nice look. Even when I had no skin, it was just, the, there was one, they did a skin graph. It was like one thin layer. Like you could see my skull <laughs> underneath it. Are you and serious? So I to, yeah. I had like this huge dent underneath my and I would just wear a headband and people never knew. For years, I had to walk around like that. That's crazy. Ugh. All right. Just just good? letting everybody know we're Zooming again because I was sick and we don't know exactly what I had. So in the abundance of precaution, we're just Zooming. Which, did you hear all zoom, that? Zoom, 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 zoom. That's her name zoom, zoom. because we actually do care about people and each other and uh this shit's real so we're taking real precautions exactly this this shit sucks yeah and the fact that i have had family members and plenty of them more of us have had it than not then uh it's real real and it's and i bet if i was to take video of them and say how did it feel was it like the flu they would be like fuck no Well, what I had this weekend felt like the flu, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope know. that that's all it was. It, you know what didn't feel like the flu? Like for Allie, she was like you. Right. Uh, she just said that the headache and the aches, you know, were like off the chart yeah. and, and being no. exhausted. And I don't exhausted. think mine was off the chart from other times I've been sick, but I haven't been that sick in a while, so... Yeah, it took well, me hopefully, out. Hopefully, hopefully yours was not. You didn't go. You didn't do the test, right? No, I tried on. Uh, was it Monday? CVS makes you go online. You have to go online first and register. And everyone that was that I'd be willing to drive to, they were all booked up. So then. Yeah, I think that's why Allie was opting for the. Um, she just went to the urgent cares, but she had to find one that did a wrap test she that was tucson she had to drive all like far away to find the one right that did a rapid test but i'm sure here we'd be able to find one that did one but yeah. they're still they're not easily readily they say like for the college they're supposed to be available but i don't at her college i don't believe that they are being truthful no hey she tested positive twice and they said she tested negative no i think that they're trying to keep their numbers down and they're telling no you're fine that wouldn't surprise me it doesn't surprise me oh oh my god i could not sleep last night i just gotta share this with you okay i could not sleep last night because I'm on the neighborhood, you know, that neighborhood next door app. Right. And everybody. So I guess right here on Troya at my house, (laughs) almost said exactly where. (laughs) Right here. Right here by my house. Right here by my house on Troya. (laughs) Uh, There was this guy said uh, two guys came up to his door. They were trying to break in his house while he's there. 
<gasps> so then shortly after, yeah, shortly after, and he's got on his ring, he has photos of them. So I'm looking at the photos, right? Okay. Shortly after that, another person reports, hey, somebody was just at my door. And I'm thinking it could be the same people because we're in the same area. The crazy thing is right before I pulled that up, I was hearing, because I slept in Allie's room with Ellen, and I could hear, it sounded like somebody was on the side of my house, and like, I, it's almost like I heard somebody fall against my wall, and I'm like, that was a little, if that was a cat, it was like a big freaking cat. So I had gotten up and checked, and I didn't see anything. Obviously, I can't see on the side of my house, so I right. just was like opened the front door and was listening and didn't hear anything and then I came in I was looking up stuff and there I see these two people just said that and I was like well how what if that was somebody those guys trying to come here and I just maybe I scared them away because I opened the front door you know because I have a security door so right it's not like they so anyway maybe I scared them away or whatever they realized I was home I don't know realized I was awake (laughs) And so I couldn't sleep all night because then, of course, now all you do is hear noises. Right. So every little thing, I was up. Crazy. I know, right? So then of you're course super, now tonight, I'm going to be... You're super paranoid after that. Yeah, I mean, I, I need to get like I need to get cameras hooked up out front and back. So then all I have to do is look at the cameras and not have to get out of bed. That would be nice. Yes. <laughs> you have them inside. <laughs> One now inside. You, what good is that? I mean, now it you does need them outside. Me to see, like at least I can hear and I can see if somebody's like going past the windows. Right. If I look at it, so that I do the primary. I don't think I hear anybody. I don't think. But then, of course, I always am like, well, I'm gonna get up and look. But last night I heard when I heard that I was like, oh, I am getting up and yeah. I'm doing a little checkaroony. And the old me, I've been known to get up and actually go outside and check. <laughs> like. What an idiot. <laughs> like that time my car had started and it was sitting in front of your front yard and Ellie's freaking out because you're going to walk right up to the car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, somebody in there? Like, if had somebody been in there and I'm doing this, <laughs> like, how dumb are you? And Allie's like, Mom. What are like, you it's doing? Okay. I'm like, just be ready to call the police if they shoot me. <laughs> this lady i'm a badass so i don't know about you but i kind of have a long story a little bit um i can make my not i don't think mine will be terribly long okay i'm gonna try and condense as much as possible and go go All right. So my story is about an angel of death. Do you know in the nursing profession? Yes. What an angel of death is? Or even in the medical profession, what an angel of death is? Uh, I might if you say something, but as right now, are you asking me that? No. So basically, it's like a nurse or a doctor that's taking it upon themselves to end somebody's life. Or oh, several somebody's. Huh? Mine is on Charles Cullen. And I came across this story like a while back. I think I listened to it on another podcast and I've been wanting to do it for a while. So I went to go look it up and I couldn't remember his name. So I just put in a uh, serial killer nurse and oh. li- <laughs> and literally. There's a good number of them because when you said you were going to do it on a serial kill, serial, ki- I actually have in my note a serial killer nurse that 
like next time I do your oh. story, I, I actually have one for me. So that's what I was like, huh, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to see if she does the that same one, one or if she has her one. Well, you have a different one. So, so. like the first thing that pops up um, yeah. is like this article that says 17 serial killer nurses who murdered patients. And then like a little further down, it was like 20 killer nurses. And so I like start clicking on them because I'm trying to see if any of the stories match up what I recall. And yeah. all these stories are like across the world, across time. Like it's a thing. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like tripping out anyways. So but this is about Charles Cullen. <laughs> But they're serial killer. So they're the angels of death. They're actually doing it not to help the patient. They're actually well, just fuckheads that are murdering patients. It varies. It varies. I mean, some of them are like, they think that they're helping the patient. Some of them are just like serial killers and they're, they just want to watch people die. It's like a control thing. And in wow. his case, I'll, you'll find out as I get further in this story. I'm intrigued read um oh wait a minute wait wait i think we should do something real quick okay <laughs> i have to hold on are you catching on what the pinky my freaking finger disappears <laughs> oh there it is okay <laughs> yeah this is my favorite thing this right my floating finger <laughs> The first time I saw it, you just had it up and you were doing it. And I'm like, she doesn't drink like that. And then you do another drink and you're holding it like this. And then all of a sudden the pinky starts floating up. And I'm like, she must be feeling good because she doesn't do that. No, that's her Eva. That's the Eva coming out. Yep. I love that. I the fancy that finger. That the most hilarious thing. The okay, fancy pink, we, pinky we finger. We should post that. <laughs> I don't need to see that. All right. So you guys are going to have to forgive us because, like I said, we're on Zoom and we're having all kinds of, not computer, but internet issues. So Technical difficulties. Technical. Nothing but technical difficulties. All right. (laughs) Okay. So I got a lot of the information from a book by Charles Graber, The Good Nurse. Which Ooh, I bet that's a it was really good. And you know what's funny? Oh, you read it? I, yeah, I have it on Audible. But I didn't what? realize. I had like went and picked a bunch of stories on Audible. I was like, oh, that looks like a good story. But I hadn't gotten to it yet. So then I picked this story and then I started reading it. And then a lot of uh, people that had blogs or articles about it referenced this. And I was like, why does that sound familiar? So I went through my library of books in Audible. And I was like, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? I have this freaking so I decided to listen to it. So, anyways, oh, the funny okay. thing is, so you haven't read, you haven't listened to it before. No, not yet. You just had it. I just happened to have it. And the funny thing is, yeah. so we were supposed to record on Friday, but all I had yeah. was my basic information that I got off the internet. And so, yeah. since I was sick. Like literally all of Saturday and most of Sunday, I listened uh-huh. to this whole book. It's like, I think it was like 13 hours of listening. So Dang. yeah, which is a big thing for me because that's not the kind of book I like. I don't, I don't like true stories like that. I'm not a big true story person. Like I like fantasy novels. I like Game of Thrones. I like Outlander. Like I love my fantasy stuff. So I was surprised that I liked this book. Does Audible take, you have to have a membership? Uh, You do, but you know what? I'll send you the thing for this i'll I'll send you a link because it lets it once you're done with the book it lets you send a link to your friends and and then you get a free you get a freebie oh nice so and then like 
you you pay month like a monthly service and albert has this i'm using his audible we're sharing an audible so every month you get a a, a token or whatever you get a point and you can use that towards mm. books and which there's a lot of books that you only need one so yeah i've never done any of those things this is i didn't know if i was gonna like this because I'm a very yeah. like I have to feel the book, I have to touch the book, I have to see the book, and like I'm even weird about like reading in the and like, reading them online. I like to keep I right. like to keep them. I like yeah. to have them. Oh yeah. Even like on a Kindle or whatever or Nook, I still like having physical books. So. But I haven't been able to read in a while because I've just been like yeah. so scattered and so busy and like had my hand in so many different projects, pots, whatever you want to call it. So anyways, this is I like a couple months ago, I was like, hey, try this. So I ordered a book and I was like, hell yeah, I can get back to my reading. I regularly yeah. scheduled programming. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. I definitely nice. have a delay and I can fill it. So like if I sound choppy, it's because it's I'm getting this. Choppy. Is it mm -hmm. a little? Yeah. It's because I hear myself and then it makes me stop. Anyways, all right. I'm going to go ahead and go forward with this. Um, so anyways, the good nurse. Um, and so the the version I'm giving of this is obviously going to be super condensed for like our purposes of time. So if you want to know more about this, I definitely recommend you going to read that book. It's by Charles Graber. Um, and I might even put up the link, give you guys yeah, the link. Yeah. So, and I'll put that up on, um, on YouTube, on YouTube oh, there you go. and the links. So anyways, and the rest of my info I got from Wikipedia and Murderpedia. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, and I, I, I just discovered Murder, Murderpedia, like the last, the last go around when I was doing your story, your section. I Were didn't you... know Murderpedia was a thing. Me neither until we started doing this. Yeah, that's amazing. It's nice because it like will take several articles and condense them all into like a neat little line for you to yeah pick through. So that's why I like it. All right, so right off the bat, Charles Cullen. He's a, he's an American serial killer, and I'm already buzzing. So hello. <laughs> that's he, why. And then I'm second. So by the time you get to me, and now I'm going to be reading off of a little thing. So I'll definitely I I'll be surprised if I don't sound like I'm hooked on phonics. <laughs> <laughs> or like I need hooked on phonics. Right. Okay. So right. he, at the end of everything, he ends up confessing to about 40 different, killing 40 different patients. Um, and people, experts out there think that it could be up to 400 patients <gasps> over a, the course wow. of 16 years. 16 Dang. years. So he might think? be, huh? Think? What? What do you think? What do you think? I, I think probably the the bigger number is closer i i think yeah and you'll know why at the end of this because i think he just didn't really like a lot of them a lot of serial killers like they like to keep trophies or keep track and he's just not this kind of he's not that way and and you'll understand after i get through with this so let's take it back to his childhood because this is where that whole nature and nurture thing comes in you know, I'll let you guys decide. He's born to a working class Irish Catholic family, um, the youngest of eight children. His father, Edmund, died when he was about seven year, seven months old, only seven months old. So I think wow. he had like five sisters and two brothers. And wow. okay. he was he was bullied by his sisters. He was bullied by his brothers. He was bullied by his sister's boyfriend, abusive boyfriends. Um, right. Like it was That's a so very dysfunctional 
functional family. He was bullied in school. He was he was just that kid that just instead of being protected by your like was he the baby? He was the baby. He was the last of eight. Like usually the baby they're like all protective over. Yeah. And the baby no. is like they take care of him, but that not wasn't in the his case. case. That was not the case. So that being the case, he made his first attempt at suicide when I think he was like nine or eight years old using a chemistry set he got for Christmas. Christmas. All right. So the whole suicide thing, that becomes a pattern through his whole life. Are you okay? Sorry. (laughs) Now I hear things. Okay, so go ahead. That became a pattern through his whole life. Yes. So his mother, Florence, was killed in 1977 in a car accident at the age of 60. Charles was 17. 17 at this time. He was a senior in high school. And he was. He did get a hand dealt to him. Right. He did. He did. So, and the worst part of this is that they didn't even let him claim a body. They cremated her. They, yeah, they claimed that they cremated her when he went to go see her. He didn't even get to see his dead mom, like have that closure. Yeah. Yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah. So that was his first, um, his first encounter with death and his first encounter with the hospital, hospital system. And he ends up in the hospital. Oh my God. What is wrong with me? Hospital? Hospital. The hospital. Oh my God. I don't know. All right. I went to the hospital. Hospital system. Ossifer Stott. (laughs) I'm not drunk. All right, so he dropped out of high school and then he ends up in the Navy in 1978. He was assigned to the submarine corps and served aboard the ballistic missile sub USS Woodrow Wilson. He rose to the rank of petty officer, third class, as part of the team that operated the ship's Poseidon missiles. And then he was also hazed relentlessly. God, thanks. It's like he just gave off this aura that that attracted that. Sometimes when people are raped, they're susceptible to getting raped again. And I wonder if that's like something with him. I think he just must have been walking around with his I'm I'm vulnerable tattooed on him or like because abusers are very much attracted to people like that, that are I was that doormat that people were attracted to when it and it sounds like like that they beat me up from like interviews with him and from the book and um, 60 minutes even did an interview with them. It just sounds like he has that poor me complex like, well, that's my life. That's my life. Those are the cards I've been dealt. Like, I just have the worst life. Like, it's it's like he internalizes he's a victim. it. Yes, he's a victim. He's a he victim that. of circumstance, not a victor of yes. circumstance. Because I always say you get to choose. You're right. going to be a victim or you're going to be a victor. Well, he okay. is a professional victim. Well, and I'm not saying that he wasn't dealt a bad card, but he was he 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 dealt it too. Uh, yeah, it's if you go around wearing that hat, you're going to attract it. Right. So anyways, he once served a shift in a green surgical gown, surgical mask, latex gloves stolen from a ship's medical cabinet rather than his own uniform. He was tra- and and he was caught by his superior officer like what and they're like what the fuck are you doing? He was transferred and they never ever got an explanation. He was transferred to the supply ship USS Canopus and then during this time he tries to kill himself again. Several times over the next few years, his last attempt led to the discharge from the Navy in March 1984. And when he was okay. discharged, is huh? he legitimately trying to kill himself? 
himself or is he killing himself but not really trying just trying to get a little rise out of people it sounds to me that he is trying to get sympathy get a rise out of people and i'm gonna let you be the judge of that after you hear a few of these because yeah so when he's discharged from the navy you know like whether you're sane or you're not sane like whether you've been had like bad experiences or whatever you have to go through a talk to a counselor or whatever like it's kind of like that last interview before you leave so anyways this counselor was like so i don't think this is for you i don't think this is you know i I think maybe you should focus on something else, maybe the medical, a medical career, maybe nursing. So he does. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, guys. That's probably exactly what he wanted to hear. So he does. He he attends Mountainside School of Nursing and got his first job at St. Barnabas Medical Center in Levingston, New Jersey in 1987. This is pretty recent. Yeah. Another recent one. And he's still alive. Charlie. He's still like suffering in the jail system all right so during this time he meets and marries his first wife or his only wife well no yeah uh adrian taub a computer programmer and soon to be mother of his two first daughters his two daughters however his wife started to know some of the changes in his husband after he started working at saint barnabas and he starts treating her kind of like he would treat a patient gets very clinical with her and then she suspects that he's abusing their two yorkies beating them leaving it leaving them tied up outside until their neighbors complain um and then one day one of the dogs disappears he gonna do to you i know I know. So one of the Yorkies disappears and he acts like he doesn't know anything about it. He's pretty much, this is what I got from the book. He tells his explanation to her is like, I don't know what happened to the dog. I took a walk. I left the door open, cracked open a little. Meanwhile, he's watching their infant child and she's like, you took a walk? Where was the baby? In the crib. And she's like, wait, what? (laughs) You took a walk? You don't know what happened. Like, it was all very suspicious. So this raised two suspicions with her. Like, she thought maybe he did something to the dog. And also, she was suspicious that he was giving a liquid babysitter to the dog. Like, putting the... Or to the dog. To the baby. To keep the baby asleep. Well, he did whatever he wanted. So, that didn't last long. They they end up divorcing after a while. So, that's a little... I wonder if he saw his kids after that. I think at some point, like, she's just... Like, she got full custody of them and you'll understand why okay so at saint barnabas uh almost immediately his first patient um Mm -hmm. is judge john w yango senior um he had been admitted to saint barnabas medical center suffering from an allergic reaction to a blood thinning drug and i don't know i heard it on something else that it wasn't a blood thinning drug i heard that he had he was in there for like a sunburn so i don't know so he worked in the the burn unit when he was at saint barnabas when he first started there so he ends up administering a lethal dose of medication intravenously on june 11th 1988 to a judge yep so that was his first his first person that he killed Unfreaking believable. Right. So eventually he would admit to killing 11 patients at St. Barnabas, including an AIDS patient who died after being given an... This is who he is admitting, who he remembers, like, by name. And I'll tell you why. I'll, I'll, I'll expound on that. So including an AIDS patient who died after being given an overdose, overdose of insulin. He quit in January of 1992. So this was 1988 to 1992. Um, when deaths became too suspicious in a hospital authority, 
began investigating IV bags that had been tampered with, and also several patients had died from insulin shock. That investigation determined that Cullen had most likely been responsible, resulting in dozens of patients' deaths at the hospital, but it was never followed up on because they had no definitive proof, and also they probably didn't want to accept liability. So this is where it should have stopped at yeah. St. Barnabas because they knew something was up with him. But no. Yeah, but they didn't want they didn't want the publicity and they didn't want the insurance claims, right. the malpractice claims. They didn't want any of that. The liability is what you said. Right. Yeah. So he then took a job at Warren Hospital. So they pretty much send him on his way. They give him neutral references, which was like basic practice for any job back then is like you could only answer like three questions. Like I remember being in HR. Yeah. (laughs) Very basic. To verify employment. Yeah. And the length and all that. And yeah, you couldn't say if it was bad or good. I would always just tell people, well, listen to my tone. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yes, they did. Mm. Yes, they did. (laughs) Just listen to my tone because I'm not allowed to say anything. Would you rehire this person? Mm, Maybe. oh yeah yeah Uh, i I definitely had a way of code speaking to people but i just remember i'm like what's the point then right if you can't say anything like and mine was with kids and so here i i have these assholes that i'm getting rid of and then they want a job at another place and i'm supposed to just verify fucking employment so they can go fuck up some little kids no way so you bet i'm gonna put it in my voice right all right so yeah he leaves saint barnabas he goes on to warren hospital in phillipsburg where he murdered three elderly women with overdoses of heart of heart medication called digoxin yeah basically i guess they call it dig His final victim pretty much fingered him and caught him injecting her while her son had stepped out of the room. He he came in and he's like he was palming a needle and nice. asks the son to leave while he does whatever he does, which is, you know, common practice. Like when my dad yeah. is hospitalized, you know, they move you in and out of the room like as you're visiting. So who thinks anything of this? You know what I mean? I don't know. But now I think if, I think if anything was to happen now and they asked me to leave, I think I might say no. After hearing this, I might say, "Um, I'll turn my back, but I'm not leaving the room. Yeah, she was basically like, this son of a bitch stuck me, and she was dead by morning. Yeah, and so then the the brother was like, what? He did what? And nobody believed her. Nobody, the hospital staff, everybody was like, because he was such a mild-mannered person, and he was also considered good at what he did, too. Like. Lord. He was weird. Most of his co-workers would go on to say that he was he was definitely odd, but he was very professional. So professional that he killed his patients. Right. It was during this time that his wife, Adrian, had had enough and filed, filed for divorce, um, citing domestic violence, abusing him, abusing her pets and her suspicions of him dosing her child with liquid babysitter and also the many, many manipulations of suicide. Like there yeah. was one That's t- some, some, some mental bullshit right there. Oh yeah. There was one time where he like basically like pretended he attempted suicide, poured the pills all the way around himself, and then she walks in and she was just literally so over it. She just kind of just stepped over him. <laughs> Grabbed whatever she needed and walked out. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it. 
Well, my opinion is that if you're somebody that is so good at killing people with medications, you know how to kill yourself. Of course you do. You know how to kill yourself without even leaving a fucking trace. Exactly. So he never wanted to kill himself. He was Catholic too. Like he he didn't want to go to hell. (laughs) He'll go to hell anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the irony of that. That's the irony of that. So she files for divorce. And then around this time, he goes fatal over another co-worker while he's going through the whole divorce thing. She shows him the like the slightest amount of attention. And he just like latches onto her like a puppy and which probably like freaked her out. And she stops taking his calls and she kind of starts avoiding him. And then he's this makes him start calling her more because he thinks that they have like this attached this like. Oh, no. I had a neighbor across the street, same freaking, not across the street, but like diagonal from me, same way. The more I would tell him to fuck off and like, leave me alone, stop talking to me. I swear to you, it was the more he thought I wanted him. And I would be like, nobody likes you. You need to are go just and, wired you know, I'm, I'm not mean like that, but he had like crossed the line so many times. I was like, get away from me. Don't say my name. Don't look over here. And I swear to you, he thought I, w- I he was God's gift. Like, oh my Ugh. gosh, she loves me. I'm going to go over there and talk to her some more. Yeah. I get it. I get it. It's so weird. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you definitely, like, I get it. So, yeah, he, he just goes fatal and... He starts stalking her. He starts calling her a million times. He even breaks into her apartment one night. Oh my watches God. her sleep while her young son is in the other room. And mm-hmm. then basically admits it to her. Like he finally, he was, cause he was calling her over and over again. And he calls her and he's like all amped up on not being able to sleep because he's fucking fatal over her. And he basically is like, she goes, oh my God, somebody broke into my apartment last night. And he goes, oh, that was me. Oh my God. <laughs> she's like, I understand if you call the cops. And she's like, yeah, motherfucker, I'm calling the cops. So my he got asshole. arrested. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And a day after that, he attempts suicide again. Uh, he takes a few months off of work, spends time in a psychiatric facility before that year ends. And he'll make two more suicide attempts before that year ends. He leaves Warren Hospital in December of 1993 and takes another job at Hunter Medical Center in Rarity Township, New Jersey. He will later admit to murdering five patients in the first nine months of 1996 with with overdoses of digoxin. And I have to say, it wasn't just insulin and digoxin, which is a heart medication. Um, it was a bunch of other things, but they were. It was never narcotics. It was yeah, just like, like um, high doses like of things that you wouldn't suspect. Yeah, things that aren't supposed well, to kill you. That's why he didn't get caught. Right. Well, I mean, he did get caught, but I mean, that's why it was a little more difficult for them to. Right. And so one of the reasons I, I didn't go over this in the like the first hospital at St. Barnabas, they suspected that he was spiking IV bags with insulin and other stuff like high doses. People, the people that were dying or like they were having these coding patients, they finally sent off these IV bags and had them tested. And they were like, what the fuck? Like somebody's doing this on purpose. So he was, right. it was basically, he was like this cocktail of shit that he was putting in these IV bags and sending them off. And so who knows 
how many people that he doesn't remember because of the way he was so, doing this. I wonder if it's his sick way. You know how people project their bullshit onto you all the time. You know, like people project their stuff out there all the time. I wonder if he's like projecting his thoughts of suicide onto them. Like, do you understand? Like, it's yeah. not just murder, but in, because he wants he wants to commit suicide, but not really. So he's projecting that that he's putting these the people out of misery. And by and on many counts, these people were literally had already been in the hospital and they were a lot of them were ready to go home they, they shouldn't have died in the hospital yeah so it wasn't like an angel of mercy kind of thing he wasn't putting people out of their misery he was literally just picking people by random all right so in 1980 1998 he was hired at liberty nursing and rehabilitation center in allentown pennsylvania where he worked in a ward for patients that were on ventilators. He was fired by Liberty in 1998 after he'd been seen entering a patient's room, syringes in his hand, and also accused him of administering drugs to patients at unscheduled times. And I think that same patient ended up with a broken arm or a broken leg. So oh, there no. must have been a scuffle. <laughs> so anyways, he got fired there. So this is what? Four, three, four hospitals already? We're on number four? See, there, the, the, there should be a system where if that was happening, where he, there would have been a red flag so he wouldn't be hired. Right. But none of them were communicating in that way. But I think after everything was said and done with this, I think there is. There would, this oh. led to changes, <laughs> definite well, changes in the way so. things were done. All right, yeah, so there was also Alston Hospital in Pennsylvania from November 98 to March of 99. He murdered another patient with digoxin as a coroner's blood test would show lethal doses. There was an investigation, but nothing was conclusive. Cullen would continue to find work because there was a nationwide shortage and he slipped from hospital to hospital because there were no reporting mechanisms available at that time that identified nurses with mental health issues or other employment issues. I mean, he'd spent, a, he'd spent time in a psychiatric ward several times during this. There was Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania where he murdered and also an attempted murder on somebody else. And then he resigned there. He took a job at St. Luke's in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, working in the cardiac care unit where he would murder five more patients and two more attempts. In 2000, he tries to commit suicide again. Of course he does. At St. Luke's, a nurse happened to find vials of unused medication in a disposable, a disposal bin. Um, these weren't recreational drugs, so the theft was suspicious. It, of course, leads to Cullen, and he was simply fired and escorted from the premises in 2002. You bad boy. Yeah, slap on the wrist. Go to another hospital. Hopefully you don't kill anybody there. Uh, hold on a second. I have a feline. Oh, my, my spine. I have a feline banging at my door. Sorry to interrupt you. She's really freaking out. <laughs> so where were we? My pussy distracted me. <laughs> <laughs> That was wrong. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All right. So then seven St. Luke's nurses who, okay, so this was still at St. Luke's. Seven nurses who worked with Cullen later met with the Lehigh County District Attorney to alert the authorities, their suspicions. I think they took it to the hospital and the hospital was like, uh, we don't want to touch this. So they, they went to the district attorney themselves. 
and this was in Pennsylvania, to alert the authorities that their suspicions that Cullen had used drugs to kill patients. They pointed out that between January, June 2000 and June 2002, Cullen had worked 20% of the hours on his unit, but was present nearly two-thirds of the deaths. But investigators never looked into Cullen's past, and the case was dropped nine months later for lack of evidence. That's total bullshit. Yeah. So he got away with it for that time. Again. Again. He just continues. He continues to get away with it. Which is why he continues to do it. Right. And why so many people were killed. Exactly. Sorry. This cat is. I don't know why she's being so weird. She's climbing. She never does this. Shadow. She's like, where'd that come from? She's sniffing everything. Oh, you know why? Connor and Leslie's. But no, she could smell the dogs out there. Huh. I see her tail. Yeah. I don't know why she's being so curious in here. Like she's acting like like it's she's acting like she doesn't recognize the smells, but she the dogs are out there too, so she's she's she knows they're set. Maybe it's just stronger in there. It could be. I mean, I had to, it takes, like, when they leave, I have to vacuum up, like, a whole animal comes out of my (laughs) vacuum. There's so much fur. I believe it. All right. So then in September of 2002, he's back in New Jersey, and he gets a job at Somerset Medical Center. And this would be his last hospital that he works at. Here he works in the critical care unit. While here, he murders eight patients that he admitted to it well that he admitted to that he recalls and makes attempts on one other from september september to june oh my god that was not a coherent thought that i typed out while here he murders eight patients makes several more attempts on another from september to june he is using his usual insulin and digoxin the hospital oh, was suspicious. Going to the, the old safe bet. Yep. The hospital was was suspicious after finding spikes of dig, of dig in blood work of patients that had died suspiciously. So they ended up consulting the New Jersey Poison Information and Education System. So just a little out of the book here. They have one of the pharmacist nurses, I think, call. The poison control. So she's basically just trying to figure like what the dosage, what kind of dosage it would take to kill somebody. Oh, okay. I understand. And so the guy on the other end, you know, he's, he's a smart guy and he's uh-huh. like asking her lots of questions and he's like, so he gets out of her that there's two patients and she's basically, cause she's giving like what ifs and yeah. then she kind of spits out, okay, they're dead already. They're already dead. They've they've already died. And he's like, oh, okay. Oh, so now we're going to be, this is going to be a public thing. Right. So, and he's, he, yeah, he doesn't let it go very easily. Yeah. So, and then she, and she slips and says, well, then there was like three more, but those were insulin. And then she gives, ends up giving him like the insulin. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I'm just going to be very clear with you. Somebody's doing this on purpose. There's no... There's no way this happened on accident to this many patients this many times. The digoxin and is not something that is naturally occurring in somebody's body. And then the amounts of the inal- is, is, insulin, like he was like, there's no way. There's no way. And he's just trying to get it through to her. And she's like, okay, can we pretend that... I didn't tell you about the other three patients because I wasn't supposed to tell you about those. Like, yeah, she like panics. So he keeps following up after this because he's like, I want to know what happened. Because she's like, this is she's like, 
or he tells her, you need to go to the authorities. This is a police matter. 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 And she's just like, okay. So he doesn't get a call back. He tries. He's like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So... He is following up and then he ends up like he he goes head to head with the hospital administration, with the the upper echelons of the hospital administration. He's just basically telling them, you know, you don't want to be caught with your pants down on this. You need to contact the authorities. And they were just like, "Okay, well, we're just trying to figure out like, you know, this and this and that. And we're running our own investigation. And he's like, no. (laughs) So. Tell me he did something. So that was July of 2003. They didn't. Not until October of 2003 after they had conducted their own investigation. But then another patient dies. Oh, well, under suspicious and I'm sure there was several more because during this time there's five more patients that die suspiciously that he admits to. Yeah. So, yeah. Another patient dies mysteriously of low blood sugar. New And so another insulin. New Jersey homicide detectives Dan Baldwin and Tim Braun are pretty much handed a murder mystery when, in fact, the hospital already had their suspicions. They handed the detectives very little information other than the fact that several patients died and some of the documents documents that they gave him i mean it was like they just handed they're like this is it what is this what are we supposed to do with this and not to mention that they're and they kept that guy working there yeah he was at that at this time he's still working there and And so anyways that makes them guilty by association they're accomplices they know what's going on so to me they're accomplices well and the worst part was i mean it's all worse but one of the detectives says what is this charles cullen thing there was like some it was like an attorney write-up something and they're like oh that didn't go anywhere and they're like do you guys suspect him and they're like oh no 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 and well they're like okay well where do you want us to start do you guys have anybody that you suspect and they name this other nurse who happens to be making trouble for the un- nurses union has, oh my god yeah. that's so, so dirty so they send them on a wild ch- goose chase and this guy like there's nothing there's nothing they can find on that guy and so you know just by chance they're like pick up the whole Colin thing and just they're like what is it gonna hurt and they start tracing oh things and they end up going down the rabbit hole with all these hospitals and they're like holy shit this is the guy but they didn't have any oh, yeah damn. and so they go back to the hospital and the hospital's like uh no it's not him blah 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 like they're like acting like they don't and they're like okay so so they basically had these medical drawers um called pixis that were electronic that you had to go in you had to go put a code in the patient's name and your information before you checked out any inf- any drugs and they handed him a report like a small report whatever because they were like we need to know all the way back to such and such a time and they're like oh no because it only gives you 30 days worth of information and it scrubs anything before that this is what they told them which was total yeah. bullshit they'll come yeah. to find out right um because later on uh, one of the detectives, when they're like feeling like they hit a dead end, he ends up calling the Pixis company, like a representative. And he was like, I just we're doing we're doing a, a murder investigation. We're just trying to figure out, you know, like he's basically like, I know it only keeps 30 days w- worth of information. But there is any way like, you know, like on a phone, like you can go back, get information that's supposedly deleted. And the guy's just on the other line, like, 
What are you talking about? It keeps everything. It doesn't erase any information. Yeah. So he's pissed. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, this kind of sets them at odds with the hospital because they're like, wait, I thought we were on the same team, but apparently not because the hospital's covering their own ass because right. they know. So well, um, they don't want to be paying out any money. They don't. Yeah. Doesn't it make you wonder just from this, like how, how much, how many other things have been covered up or how much other shit do they not tell it, people? It's very suspicious. Like, it makes me wonder a lot. A lot. I mean, they're basically an institution. So, like other institutions, like schools or police departments or government, any kind of government, they're like in a closed ranks. So, anyways, Charles Cullen becomes their main suspect. And then the hospital fires Cullen on October 31st, 2003, citing that he had light on his employment application. At this point, they're covering their ass. They're like, okay, we got to let him go. Yeah. But meanwhile, he's killed five more people. Right. So detectives Baldwin and Braun soon recruited Cullen's good friend, who happened to be a nurse that worked alongside him at Somerset. Her name was Amy Lauren. It's always an Amy. It's always it's the nurse Amy. Yeah, nurse Amy. Uh, so at first she's like pissed because she's like she's made a connection with him. She thinks he's the sweetest guy. She thinks he's a great nurse. They've worked alongside each other for like eighteen months, and so so she's pissed. She thinks that they're and and plus he's fed her all these stories of my life is shit. People pick up me. Like he's kind of made it sound like every place he's ever worked at, they always pick on him. If something bad happens, he's he's always blamed. Right. For it. And yeah. so she thinks, oh, here we go again, something bad, and he's getting blamed for it. Exactly. It's exactly so. what she thinks. Yeah. So right. she's pissed. Um, so they end up, they have several interviews with all the nurses like that have worked with them or on the floor like that were on duty during all these suspicious deaths. And of course, they have HR in the room <laughs> the whole time, you know, so that they weren't getting anywhere with any of these people because I think they were afraid. They kept on looking at the HR person like, can I answer this question? Can I answer this question? Like it was, right. they were, they were getting nowhere. So anyways, they end up interviewing with her and... And the HR lady ends up walking out of the room. I, I don't know why, but they took a chance on her and then like kind of slipped her. I think it was the Pixis uh, report where they they because they finally went and said, we want all the reports and we want them now. Wow. And, finally. Gross yeah. So she so they show them the main report that like they're like, OK. And she looks at it and she's like, what the fuck is this? And it was in that moment she just knew like he had to have something to do with it because it just didn't make any sense. So she's she starts helping them. She's pretty much like their confidential informant. She's basically like not only like the liaison between Charlie because she's keeping her lines of communication. Which, which make her sick that she because yeah. now she knows this and now she's like this is disgusting well yeah because now she's like it's disgusting but also disgusting because she she was friends with him she was probably a confidant she probably used him as her confidant they probably did it no i don't think so he was I, this time he had a girlfriend i think she was it was just one of those platonic relationships where he just kind of got her and he got she thought she got him I think she was confused because she thought she was a person that was perceptive of other people, like yeah. that she had a good bullshit detector and it, it made her angry that yeah. he got past that. So, yeah, and 
defended him. And then it makes you feel like an idiot for defending right. them. Exactly. So anyways, so she basically like she's key and very instrumental in getting a lot of the information and decoding a lot of the information um, from the hospital's medical medical system, like their their EMR, and she figures a bunch of stuff out. She deciphers the hospital's computer system for tracking patients called Cerner, and she also helps them understand more like the whole Pixis reports because I mean they were police officers they weren't this wasn't their world so a lot of that stuff was Greek to them so she ends up helping them figure out how frequently he was logging in his personal information to withdraw Tylenol which was something the nurses <gasps> did on yeah but they did the nurses did it on in the download because they could do it you know they're on their shift right it's just Tylenol they, well apparently like he had this like he was logging in like he would literally go in front of the station log in each and every Tylenol that he took like he could stand there for like maybe 10-15 minutes and log back in log back out log back in. when he could just take as many Tylenols out of the drawer as right. he wanted to he it was just it was very b- bizarre but then so one night she's like trying to figure out like why is he doing this anyways she has a headache she goes and opens the thing she logs in her information and the drawer pops open and she realizes that the digoxin is right next to it, uh. next to the Tylenol. And there was another weird thing about cancellations. He had a bunch of cancellations, like which was puzzling because they were just trying to they were trying to find a, a definitive link that he was taking out digoxin and then the patient died. But that wasn't the case. Like he would have canceled. He would go in and cancel. But like there was this weird thing going on with the drawer that. Even if you would go in, put in the information, cancel the the order, the drawer would still pop open. So it was like an honor system. Of course, you, you would just shut the drawer if you're a normal person, right? He wasn't a normal person. <laughs> so he must have figured this out a long time ago. So it would look like he never took anything out. Interesting. So. Yeah. I want to know that's at that hospital. I want to know how we got away with it at the other hospitals. Yeah. I think this is the only one that had the Pixis system. Yeah. Because this is the only one I recall in the book them really talking about it. I think a lot of them had it like they had would have like a locker or like a room Mm -hmm. where they had things locked away in. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see. All right. So eventually he gets arrested on one count of murder and one count of attempted murder on December 14th, 2003. So this is what they could definitely pin on him. On one count and one count. Well, yeah. Because so what they had. Count murder. Ab- yeah. What they had absolute evidence on and what they could what they could get him on. And, and at this point, he was trying to get another job. So they just wanted to hurry up and get him off the streets. They wanted. Yeah. Before yeah. He gets hired. To- I just yeah. spit all over myself. Yeah. Before he gets hired somewhere else and then moves on to another. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and I didn't tell you that, like, at some point they go and interview the uh, poison control guy. God, I wish I wrote his name. His It was Marcus is his last name or Marcus is his first name. But uh-huh. when they come in to interview him, he's like, I was expecting you like six months ago. <laughs> he's like, you're late. <laughs> So that was interesting. It was a really good book. It's a really good book. Um, I wonder wonder if they're going to make a movie about it. They are. They are. They have one in the works. Yeah. And then there's actually a Netflix special out there, but it's like on a bunch of different angels of death. It's but he's he's also in there. I didn't watch it. Um, I did watch the 60 minutes interview and it was basically them interviewing him. So it was like him talking. Yeah. 
And he's just... Is he what? He just seems like this normal... He doesn't seem like a serial killer. Like, he, not yeah. what you'd imagine, but... Is he... He's he, off. Is he skinny? Huh, he's skinny. Is he tall? I think he's tall. He's probably tall and lanky. Does he have a good amount of hair? Or is he balding? Mm, he has... No, he's not balding, but he just real thin, greasy-looking hair. Yeah. Gray right. hair. I'm, yeah. I got it. I got a picture of that guy. So he admitted to the murder of Reverend Florian Gall and the attempted murder of Tin Kyushu Han. Both had been patients at Somerset in April of 2004. He pled guilty in a Pennsylvania court to killing six patients and tried to kill and trying to kill three others. On March 2nd, 2006, Cullen was sentenced to 11 consecutive life sentences in New Jersey to be ineligible for parole for 397 years. He's held at New Jersey State Prison in Trenton, New Jersey. And then on March 10th, 2006, he was brought into the courtroom of Lehigh County President Judge William Pratt for sentencing hearing, and he lost his shit, repeating like a psychopath, Your Honor, you need to step down. Your Honor, you need to step down. Your Honor, you need to step down. Telling the judge to step down. Yeah, like, but yelling it like a crazy person for 30 minutes, minutes straight. You know, to the point where the judge had him gagged and uh, put a cloth and a duct, unduct, had him gagged with cloth and duct taped. I'm surprised they let him sit there for 30 minutes and do that. I know. But after 15 minutes, they didn't like get him out. And then in this hearing, the judge gave him an additional six life sentences. So in addition to the other sentences pronounced on the same day, another county in another county, Cullen currently faces 18 life sentences. Holy crap, I'm away. Yeah, crazy, right? Right? So crazy. So, and then the legal impact? Yeah, what about the hospitals? What's their punishment? For being stupid. That last one, mostly. Uh, So, prompted by the Cullen case, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and 35 other states adopted new laws which encourage employers to give honest appraisals of workers, job performance, and which give employers legal protections when they provide truthful employee appraisal. The New Jersey laws, in particular, form the model that the rest of the states would follow. First, the 2004 Patient Safety Act increased hospitals' responsibility for reporting serious prevention adverse events and then in 2005 the 2005 enhancement act was a supplement to the patient safety act and required hospitals to report certain details about their employees to the new jersey division of consumer affairs it also mandated that complaints and disciplinary records relating to patient care be kept for at least seven years i think longer i mean because he did this over 16 years 16 Um, years I thought they always had to keep the records for. I thought it's always been that. No, there's years. different different things that you have to keep for a different amount of time. There's, I think, before that time, like I know, like for an employment employment records or like I nines, they all have specific like amount of time that you have to keep them. So. Oh yeah, I guess so. Patients, they can they keep for long. Yeah, patients probably. So yeah, that was my story. Right. That was so good. Crazy, right? Now, do you want to go to the hospital? 
Oh, well, I never want to go anyway, but. You know what's so crazy to me is like, there's a certain amount of vulnerability when you're in the hospital. So you're just like, whatever's going on in there, you're just like, you have to depend on that they're right. You know what I mean? Like you, you have to be your own advocate and pay attention to things. But at the same time, there's a certain amount of trust that you have to have. Because you're vulnerable. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, if they, and sometimes they're just so dominating, they make you feel like you don't have a say or a, tr- a choice. And I know like when my mom's been in the hospital, I've had to whip out the, the bitch, no, you didn't card. Right. And be, and be a real shit because they, they try to dominate and like, well, we know everything. You don't know anything. Right. And here, you know, like my mom's laying here miserable and they're not giving her any answers and treating her like she's an idiot. And so then I have to be like round. Right. Before they do like anything. You, def- you definitely have to be your own advocate. You have to raise your voice. You have to like, if something seems off, you have to say something. Yeah. I mean, when Serena was in the hospital having the baby, that shit could have gone so wrong and shit did go wrong. Yeah. And I had to keep raising my voice and I just feel like I didn't raise it enough. Like by the grace of God, like everything went okay. But (laughs) stuff was not okay. No. And they make you and they also will be like, make you feel like you're like, you definitely have to know your rights. I know my patient rights because I have to sign that shit every month. And I go to so many doctors that I'm constantly getting a patient. So if you read those, though, you really do have rights. And when you when you feel empowered by those, then you don't let them they forget that we have a choice like there's so many doctors that you can go to and if you don't like that hospital first of all if you don't like that staff member you can fire them and get somebody else right and if you don't like that hospital okay get out you can leave you can get ambulance to another hospital if you need to like quite honestly they they make you feel like they are the only ones that can help you and that you don't have that power but you do right and i think yeah people are so vulnerable at that time that they don't realize that no they forget they can do that and a lot of people are just like like doctors or police or anybody that's an authority they're just like okay you know what you're talking about yeah and they They give them all the power and you got you can't especially these days like i have known stories of surgeons being drunk on the job And then hospitals just ask them to leave because they don't want to, you know, cause any, they don't want malpractice suits. So working for a medical conglomerate for like Mm -hmm. 10 years in the HR department, I could tell you some stories just being in the HR department (laughs) of doctors, just some crazy shit. I mean, they're not, they are not God and they're not all smart. No, just because they're a doctor that I always tell my kids, just because they're a doctor, that means that they're good at passing tests. They're book smart. Yeah. They're good at passing tests. That's not saying that they're not. There's a lot of very intelligent doctors that are book smart and they're very savvy, but there is a lot, still a lot of them out there that are just, they're, they're idiots. They're idiots. I will tell you, like, that's why I loved my gynecologist so much because he he used to, back in the day, he was always on the news. They were always interviewing him for like expert advice because he, he's, he knew about my disease. Why would a gynecologist know about that disease? He should have. I mean, that's smart of him. But I mean, the, the specialists I go to don't keep, they say they know about it, but they don't. You know what I mean? Like he, 
he keeps himself because he treats pregnant women and he becomes their primary caregiver, primary doctor. I mean, so he, um, he keeps himself very up to date on everything and he's just so good at what he does that to me, that's smart. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just interesting. A lot of them are like watching their parents push, push them into being doctors. Their families push them in they're They don't have bedside manner. They don't know how to interact with other people. They're just, they were basically pushed into being doctors by their family. That's, that's, that's what I have to say about those guys. Yeah. So what do you got, girl? Hey, Carly. I'm drinking an alcohol beverage. I am. I am. Okay. Here we go again. (laughs) It is my own version of a screwdriver. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. I almost had vodka, but then I was going to put it in Mountain Dew and see what how it would taste. And then I decided I'll just open the wine because that'll help me sleep. I have uh, pineapple juice and Sunny D because mm. it's full of vitamins. So I'm getting vitamins and I'm getting a buzz. <laughs> just the pineapple and if you had pineapple and rum or pineapple and vodka is good too. Mm-hmm. Yummy, yum. Yeah. And vodka. Of course it has vodka in it. All right. Hey, Carlene, that was the longest bathroom break of life. Oh, wait, are we continuing? (laughs) Five days later. I thought we were going to do, like, put that segment on and then do this segment and put this one on. Well, they're going to go back to back. So it's going to be you. It's just a continuation, but it's your story now. Okay, well, I have had an eventful one day. What happened? What happened? Okay, I'm going to send you the video of my security footage because... It's so hilarious. Okay. But you know how pigeons get caught in my um, chimney? Mm-hmm. And then it takes them like five days and then they come into the fireplace and then I have to get somebody to help me get it out because I'm not going to. And then we set it free and then it goes back and ends up doing it again. So Aiden's sweet friend, Brent, texted me yesterday morning and I'm in tons of pain because I did yard work two days in a row. Thank you to your husband and the chainsaw. Oh, yay. And so I was like, yeah, definitely come over. I'm not going to turn that away. So we did the yard work and I'm talking to him in my TV room and I go, did you hear that? And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a freaking pigeon in the fire pit. In oh, the great. Uh huh. He's like, do you want me to help you get it out? And I said, no, it'll be like four days. It takes them four or five days before they figure out how to come out. And so I heard my people tell me, you better block it up. Like I usually, when I know they're coming out, I put stuff against the um, fireplace screen. Mm -hmm. then they're kind of like caged up until I figure out how to get them out of the fireplace okay and so and then I'll sneak a little water in there to hydrate them and then they're healthy to go on their way so they don't get eaten by cats but I heard my people tell me block that shit up and I was like that's me telling me you know obviously I didn't realize it was them and I don't listen because that's who humans are we don't listen right and so I was like okay I will I have a couple days so I I'm in tons of pain I'm chilling out, relaxing, hadn't even taken a shower yet. And all of a sudden, total chaos breaks loose in my nice, pretty front room. What? And the cat is now running around chasing this giant pigeon. Oh, my God. Broken through the, the screen, broken through the screen on the fireplace. It came, It found its way out. It's probably done it before and was like, oh, yeah, I know how to get out of here. Found its way out, broke through the screen, and is now flying all over my house. Oh, my God. So I'm in there, and I'm screaming, (laughs) literally, ah! 
screaming. <laughs> trying to get shadow. And I take this sheet and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to cover one of them up, either the cat or the pigeon, mm-hmm. so that I can capture one of them. And so the I easiest one is going to be the cat, right? Yeah. Like I needed to get shadow out of there because pigeons are germy. And right. I don't want her to catch anything. So she's an indoor cat. She does not get much excitement. So this was like, wow, what is this toy you got me? <laughs> so she, they are literally running. It was the craziest scene. And so I finally, I get shadow. That pigeon is hiding between the dry flowers that I have on my wall mm-hmm. and the wall. And I grab shadow. I stick her in my room. The pigeon flies around again, scares the shit out of me as I'm diving for cover I don't know where it went I go out to the front door my neighbor across the street who is my saint is moving and so thank god he was there moving stuff and I'm like Dan Dan help help <laughs> so he comes over he's like what does this I'm crazy like, lady want I'm like there's this pigeon flying around and so now I can't find the pigeon. It's like, where's Waldo in my house? Because I have so much shit in here. And so, because my purging thing. And so I'm like looking all over. I, I can't find it. Can't find it. And then all of a sudden, here it comes. And I'm screaming, running down the hallway. And Dan, Dan is taking, he had this flat rubber thing. And he's like trying to guide it out the front door. He's smacking it out the front door. Mm-hmm. He gets rid of it. He's Me- very calm. Cool Meanwhile, you have pigeon shit all over your house, probably. That, I was very afraid of that, but thank God I didn't. And so I'm like cracking up. Now I'm cracking up going, oh my God, I cannot believe the shit show that just happened. So then I'm texting my kid and I'm like giving them all the details so they can picture it in their head. Because I'm like, this was... <laughs> You're so good that- at doing that too. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this is something that should be on like America's Funniest Videos or something right. because it was it was just too too funny. So um, Hannah, Aiden's girlfriend, was like, oh, you, uh, did your security camera catch it? Because that would be really funny. I'm like, no, it wasn't on. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. It was on. So I go all the way back. It's on video. Oh, my God. I've you, probably watched it four times. You were going to have to send time. me that. That's hilarious. Totally sending it to you. I have to send it to you in phases because it's too long and it won't send. Okay. But I will you. It'll make your day. It's hilarious. Then here's the creepy thing that happened. Uh-oh. At 4.20 this morning. 4.20? 4.20 What were morning, you doing? We're going to need a drink. Cheers. Oh, cheers. <laughs> so I had a client last night. It was a very long session. So I was very tired. Plus I was in pain from all the, the work I did during all the yard work and stuff. And my client I was supposed to have during the day, I was supposed to have two. That one we moved. We moved to another day. But this one made up for it because it was very long session. Okay. And so I finished that one. I'm so tired. I don't even think I watched any TV. I just fell like right asleep. And then 4.20-ish in the morning, I hear and you know I'm up all during the night because my pain it just wakes me up and so you know I'm up here and there but 4:20 I was asleep and I hear on my roof this boom 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 like somebody uh, not a dog not a cat not a bird a human uh, on your roof a, a big human running across my roof what the fuck and so I'm like that's yeah, weird I thought, you have a tile I, roof yeah and I'm like yeah I heard that that was not 
my imagination. So I got up and I investigate, you know, turn on the lights to make sure like, hey, I heard you go away. I didn't hear anybody. And so then the, then earlier today, I was like, I want to make sure like my, my camera had to pick that up. So I started listening to my camera, rewound, and it sounds like I will have you next time we're together. I, I recorded that section and uh-huh. I'll have you listen to it. You can hear what sounds like somebody's messing around at my house. Ooh. Like, you, yeah, it's so creepy. And then um, it's almost like, I don't know. You know how mine, it sounds like people are talking in it and it's all staticky. Mm-hmm. That even acts weird. Like I'm going to have to put it on the computer or have like speakers so I can hear it louder. Right. It's almost like, I don't know if people were talking outside and it was trying to pick up the noise or what. It was the, it's the weirdest thing. But you can hear. So I was like, oh yeah, that definitely happened. Because I, you know, I looked at the clock. I knew what time it was. And at that time on here, you can hear the wrestling around. You need the outside cameras. Yeah. You've got too much stuff going on very eventful sounds like (laughs) 24 hour crazy Crazy. 2020 should have its own drink (laughs) and it should be like a long island iced tea with just Mm -hmm. every kind of alcohol in it like mad dog 2020 like (laughs) fucked up I know I was telling this client about like the vibrational energy and how because so many people you hear everybody saying like oh I just need 2020 to be over 2020 is the worst I hate 2020 that negative energy is being put out there right and so negative energy returns negative energy and so imagine what it would be like if everybody changed that thought process and was like it'll get better like 2020 hasn't been fun but it's been a learning process or like turned it into a positive right we would probably climb out of it a lot faster i I think maybe after the election i think things might take an upswing i i'm hoping look hey i'm trying to put my own positive energy out there Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i'm hoping too so i mean in time for christmas i pray every night (laughs) (laughs) ave maria Mm mm-hmm so All right. how's, how's your uh, how's your days been? They've been good. They've been good. I'm feeling better. I'm still a little congested, but my energy levels and it, like I just feel so much better. I feel like me again. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. to explain that. Except I had a weird dream last night. I have to tell you about. Now? I'm just gonna like give two elements that were in the dream. I dreamt that we had this long driveway mm-hmm. and there was like trees and we were walking towards the end of the driveway. I don't know. We were like surveying it or something. And at the end of the driveway, I see a fox. And almost immediately after I see the fox, where I'm kind of like in awe, oh, I'm like trying to stay still, like not trying not to scare it away. Yeah. I turn around and a lion attacks me. A lion. And even in my dream, I knew it was absurd that a lion would be here attacking yeah. me. Like I was like, what, is, what the fuck? A lion? But it didn't get me because... Albert like scared it off or he did something like I don't remember all the details I just remember those so weird dream wonder what those symbolize what Uh, what is the lion symbolizing your subconscious in your subconscious cunning like I I looked that up it could be a couple of things but and sometimes when you have animals in your dreams they're spirit and they're your spirit animals really yeah but I actually feel like that lion was symbolizing something of your subconscious Hmm. that's what it feels like to me hmm well I did look up lion attack in a dream and it's not yeah. good. And yeah. it's what? It's not good. Uh, yeah. 
Throw it at me. What's it say? Oh my gosh. Okay, I have to look it up again. Hold on. Okay. All right, this one's different. So I must have like typed it in the search different. It says, when you see a lion attack in your dream, in your sleep, it symbolizes assertiveness, strength, power, and courage. At the same time, a lion can represent a predatory feeling that you might be harboring deep within you, like aggression that you end up directing to those around you. Well, and that makes sense with the times that we're in. Right. Like, I don't think it necessarily has to mean the people around you. I think it can mean... Me watching... The news. The news. (laughs) (laughs) Screaming at the news. Mm -hmm. Because we do do take that personal. And then dreams about foxes are usually a warning. Warning you not to trust everyone because they may be false friends around you. If you are dreaming about foxes, it can also mean that you are feeling lonely at the moment. A fox in your dream may be a symbol of intelligence and wisdom, but it may also symbolize deceptions and lies. Well, Fox was kind of warning you, it seemed like. Like, it was there in contrast with the lion. Yeah. And the lion was attacking you, the fox wasn't. Right. So, it was weird. Weird dream. Totally. Like, usually I dream things that have happened the day before. Like, they make sense. I'm like, oh, okay, that, that makes sense that I dreamt that. And this had nothing to do with anything I've watched, anything that I've thought about. Like, I was, like, trying to do a, a mental inventory of things... Mm-hmm. And it didn't make sense. So, yeah, it was weird. are just crazy dreams and they don't make any sense and have any meaning whatsoever. Right. That's true. That's true. We try to read into them. (laughs) Okay. So, I'm going to have another drink. Okay. I'm going to have another drink even though I had a drink. I'm going to have another drink. I did not bring the bottle, so I don't know what I'm drinking. But it's a delicious red wine that my uh, friend Rose gave me that Mm. I was going to bring for us. So, we'll probably drink the rest of it, you and I. Okay. Sounds good. Unless I have some really bad days or something. Oh, no. Don't say that. Kidding. I won't. I don't have bad days. I am doing my story mm-hmm. on Penhurst Asylum. Yay. Actually, Penhurst State School and Hospital. Hmm. How weird is that? A school and a hospital together. That is weird. I'll talk about my resources after. I think last time I was doing it on the beginning, but I'm going to do this one after, I think. Before you get into it, I just want to just like explain to viewers that are like wondering what happened. Why we changed clothes. Yeah, yeah why we changed clothes, everything. <laughs> I, I took a few showers. <laughs> Um, so my computer froze up on Wednesday when we were recording and we were having like major internet issues and we also had a little bit, you might notice a little bit of a difference in the sound as well because for some reason it was playing off of the computer. So there might be a little bit in the first half, there's going to be probably like, it sounds a little tinny on my end. Yeah. So just letting you guys know, this is why we're doing this. So now it's Carlene's turn to do her story five days later. Yeah. Oh, so Clarice, Clarice was who I was with last night. Oh. And she was talking about your special relationship with each other. (laughs) (laughs) She's so cute. I know her and her mom love listening to us. And I think that is so sweet. And uh, yeah, I think they deserve a little acknowledgement because she's so loyal. Hi, Clarice. uh, Hi, Clarice's mama. Yeah, they love our- Thank you for um, listening to us. We appreciate you guys. They're so cute. And she she was adorable. I could have spent another like forever hour with her she's just so sweet so I gotta say this I hope she doesn't kill me but she was late getting here not a whole lot late but she was late and she's like oh I'm sorry just traffic was so bad and I'm like okay it's Saturday (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, you never know because they close the freeways yeah, on Saturdays to do work. Girl, it wasn't traffic. <laughs> I said, tell me the truth. Like, I know you have kids and this is your big outing. And she's like, okay, well, I wanted to do my makeup. <laughs> I go, then just tell me that it's okay. Like, I get it. You have kids and you got to go out and, and I, it's totally cool that it's fine. <laughs> She's just so cute. I just love her. And I'm telling you, the time that we had together was so crazy. Cause I thought it was going to be like, I was going to be bringing through a whole bunch of people and you know, it was going to be like that typical reading. And it wasn't, it was like, it was, it was so crazy. I'm, she recorded it and I'm really glad that she did because there were times that it was like, I felt like we were just chit chat. Uh and then then it was like but no she was getting lessons so I'd have to be like okay you know we were just chit-chatting but it was them giving you a lesson it was the weirdest I have I have a lot of times that they're like that but I I don't dictate how it goes right exactly yeah it was an interesting thing but we had a good time oh we had a good time I kept telling her (laughs) do we have to get home and she's like no I'm good and then because you know I'll talk forever right so finally what you what yeah yeah I go okay time to go and she's like oh oh okay and I'm like and I said oh my gosh no I wasn't doing that to like kick you out it's I have to cut myself off or I'll just keep going right you're funny it was your inner monologue coming out (laughs) okay Carlene Time to stop. Yeah. That's exactly. It was like, stop, stop. And then out loud, I'm like, okay, time to go. And she's like, oh, okay. Like, geez, all right. <laughs> all right. And then I was like, oh, that sounded like I was like kicking her out. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying like, if I don't stop talking, you're going to be here until four o'clock in the morning. Right. And then you'll get to hear the footsteps on my roof. <laughs> kind of like we do. Like we had three hours the other night. I was like, oh my God. I have to go through three hours of footage. No, but a lot of that was interrupted. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, an hour and a half. That's an, crazy. An hour and a half was just kind of, yeah, I went through it the next day. Oh, I'm sorry. It's all right. It was, I was like, why do we have three hours? All right. All right. That all means right. and go, go. Oh, and go. Okay. So I'm doing it on Pinhurst and it is on my phone, tiny. So bear with me anyway. It, um, okay. So originally known as Eastern Pennsylvania state institution. Institution for the feeble minded and epileptic. Well, and back then, and it closed in the 80s. And even back then, you know, remember, we used the word retard all the time. It right. was not wrong to use that word. Right. And so, and I totally then, hate that word. And every once in a while, it will slip. It, yes. And I'm totally embarrassed. I'm like, <laughs> me too. And especially after doing the story, because they say it a lot. Right. And so, um, but that is just, that was the medical name for uh, the mentally challenged people, for everybody. Everybody in this, it's crazy. Wait until you hear. It's just ridiculous. But anyway, I just want to put that out there because if I say it, don't think I'm being an asshole. That's just what they say on here. What? Okay, so it was an institution for mentally and physically disabled individuals of southeastern Pennsylvania, located in Spring City. Um, Okay, so now pay attention. Okay. This commission discovered 1,146 feeble-minded persons in insane hospitals. So this isn't in this hospital yet. 
Okay. This is why they built this hospital. And 2,627 in like government housing, you know, like the for poor people who couldn't afford housing. So right. free housing places, um, state funded housing, county care hospitals, reformatories, and prisons who were in immediate need of specialized institutional care. Okay. But I, so you know how now they just put if there's somebody who, who isn't all there and they get arrested, they just end up in prison with everybody else or they end up in a secluded, which drives them probably more crazy. They don't right. get the treatment they need. But in this time, they were taking those prisoners and putting them in this hospital and they called, all the patients were called children. No matter how old they were, they called them the children. Okay. Yeah. That's weird. Um, it is weird. And, but here's the thing, like even those inmates are being mixed with real children, like little kids. So it wasn't like a safe, a very safe place. But anyway, this, uh, it's huge. So when it first started out, it was like 500 patients, you know, it could hold 500 patients and it was, it's 25 miles outside of Philadelphia and it's on a hundred and 50 acres of land and so it had grown to like there's 25 or 30 buildings now so the legislation 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 the government stated (laughs) that the buildings would be in two groups one for educational and industrial departments and one for custodial custodial or asylum department i'm so tired i'm just reading this all wrong anyway they even had animals so like they had therapeutic animals there and stuff oh okay some some horses or little ponies and stuff that they would let them ride you know how there's places like that right the institution was required to to accommodate no fewer than 500 inmates or patients with room for addition wesley white the former president of the american association of medical disometrist i don't know what that is but i'm gonna say yeah (laughs) sounds right i'm assuming it's for like handicapped okay was appointed super superintendent of the facility i believe it was supposed to accommodate like 1500 to 1700 but it was so jam-packed of patients um they had over twice that amount and the ratio was like one to 100 so they, they the staff members it was one staff member to every 100 patients what you're one that's insane dealing with 100 people that's crazy yeah crazy talk but that just kind of give, gives you like a little, so it was literally people were sleeping on mats on the floor. They were sleeping like rooms that were made for like three beds. They had, you know, eight beds in there. It was just crazy jam packed. It was ridiculous. It was very unsanitary. They said that people, <laughs> they said, they said, <laughs> such a nerd. they said, Jeez. They said that people would go in there and it smelled just like feces. Oh, oh, God. I'm assuming like body odor and shit. Right. Too, but it was very gross. I mean, one person to 100 people, like, yeah. you got to help these people take a bath. You got to, like, be in charge of all those things. I can't imagine that those things were happening happening on any regularity <laughs> no and people they would like put people outside get some fresh air and then just leave them out there all day so they wandering around yeah i mean just think of how they were like baking out there that can't be good yeah anyway construction and design uh was on november 23rd uh 1908 is when it opened that's when they got their very first patient
patient, patient number one, 1908. Wow. That was a long time ago. I'm hearing some funky noises in here. Hmm. All right. Within four years of operation, Penhurst was already overcrowded and under pressure to admit immigrants, orphans, and criminals. In 1913, the legislature- Immigrants? Yeah. Yeah. Orphans among- okay. Yeah. All right. Remember that one um, asylum? What was it? What did, what was what was it that I did? Waverly? No, the um um what did they call it? The lunatic asylum? Oh my god. I forget what they called it for real. But anyway, Trans Allegheny. Yes, thank you. You always remember. Um they <laughs> Remember that they were like, if people just didn't want to take care of their kids, they just dropped them off there. Right. Okay. I mean, that's, I guess that's just how it was, but it was just sick. Okay. Anyway, um, in 1913, the legislature appointed a commission for the care of the feeble-minded, which stated that the disabled were unfit for citizenship. <laughs> Such bullshit. Imposed. Well, and a you think minute- about sorry. Huh? You think about the fact that your husband could just commit you for just about anything, right? I mean, you had a bad period and you were a little grumpy, and they're just disobey them and they'll put you in there. Exactly. Yeah. That's so crazy. They commissioned that the care of the feeble minded, which stated that the disabled were unfit for citizenship, imposed a menace to the peace, and thus recommended a program for the custodial care. So they put them in there. Um, furthermore, the commission desired to prevent the intermixing. Oh, this, this is gross. The intermixing of the genes of those imprisoned within the general population. So, um, so I probably might, might repeat this, but they were known for um, sterilizing patients when they would come in. Oh, so they had a little eugenics going on there. Yeah, because rape was huge. Oh my God. So they also... And I'll probably repeat this. It's in here again. But um, people were being raped, not by just patients, but by workers. And like the janitor was a huge child molester, from what I understand. Oh my God. And so all this was going on. And then some patients were getting pregnant. And then they would have um, have to either have an abortion there or have the babies. Um, but I, it, it doesn't really say, like, did they have the babies? And then were the babies raised there? What'd they do? But for the most part, it's very specific about most patients were sterilized when they came in. Uh, the patient's disabilities in Penhurst varied, okay, get this, from being blind, having ADD or ADHD, being deaf, mute, or semi-mute, or having imperfect speech. So, you know how my kids, when they we were We would have been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or they couldn't say their R's, like they would have put my kids in there. Right. Paralytic, epileptic, imperfect gait. I don't know what that is. Deformities of the head. Imperfect gait? Like the way you walk? No, that's what I think it is. Because then they were, they even said like if they were um, bull-legged, if they, yeah, if they walked weird, they had them in there. If they, um, did you know that back like in those days, even before, being left-handed was wrong? Oh, yeah. Like you were forced to write with your right hand. Yeah. It was supposed to be like some sign of the devil yeah i think so like being a redhead yeah (laughs) so i keep hearing this weird noise even offensive habits well i would definitely be in there because i'm sure i have many oh my gosh i forgot to tell you clarice also got to witness me burp what you burp i burp oh well clarice you're special now yeah i said (laughs) i have to tell alma because i don't burp i fart and so it was like a legit i went you heard that right she's like yeah i said (laughs) 
my kids are gonna freak out i don't burp i have burpees that i don't burp that's hilarious yeah it was a full-fledged okay that was the side note all right the sad thing was is that um they were taking a child who was there for like add and then putting him in a room with like severely handicapped individuals that were like needed help eat you know feeding themselves and stuff so then if those kids didn't have mess up had they left no they didn't leave they did later you know right. what i mean like they just came in with add but they were eventually they became very petty. dysfunctional yeah i mean ugh. imagine the coping but, mechanisms that you develop in a place like that well first of all you're you're not getting the attention you need there's not pro- proper anything and then it's disgustingly dirty they had kids oh my god hold on i'll tell you hold on it's just gets grosser more gross okay this would ultimately cause more distress and damage to all individuals Okay, so in 1916, the Board of Trustees initiated a plan to increase capacity, oh, that's what they need, of the institution by constructing cottages, specifically for women to segregate them from the men in part to prevent pregnancy. Oh, so the staff could have more privacy to visit the women in the cottages. True. I mean, seriously. Okay, so in 1968, there was a special, which you can YouTube it. It's called Suffer the Little Children. Um, A local news station um, on NBC did this five-part series on this institution. The guy, what's his name? Bob, 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 Bob. Oh, Bob. Bob Baldini, I think is his name. Yeah, he actually could not even close his story. He actually had to have his, the, um, the news anchor guy do it because he ended up collapsing just from all the stress and exhaustion of doing the story. Really? Like it was so traumatic on him, I think. But Suffer the Little Children is also the name of a movie or a show that, what? I just got goosebumps. So weird. It's also the name or a show or a movie that um, Spielberg did based on this facility. What was it called? Suffer the Little Children. Okay. So there's Suffer the Little Children, the news, five-part news series from 1968 that exposes, basically exposes them. And then there's Suffer the Little Children that Spielberg did. I don't remember it. Spielberg. Okay. So because of this news special, this five-part series, it, it brought attention to them. I mean, it still took many years but it's because of this guy and the series that they were ultimately closed down but it took a long time yeah not until 1985 wow or 1986 so from 1908 to 1986 yeah or 1987 i'll tell you the exact date um okay so the film footage of half-clothed children wandering aimlessly on the ward the sights and sounds of everyday institutional life that Baldini's own sparse narrative revealed a hidden world of neglect. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So dis- disturbing the conditions of the institution in, 1990, in 1985. It was so disturbing that the in 1985, the U.S. Supreme Court Justice Thorogood Marshall denounced the regime of state-mandated segregation and degradation that in its virulence, I don't know what that is, and bigotry uh, revealed indeed paralleled the worst features of Jim Crow. I put this in there for a reason. Residents themselves, now called self-advocates, soon joined the the campaign. So because of all that stuff that was going on with the Jim Crow was happening in there too. Then the, the residents were able to jump on that 
bandwagon mm-hmm. and also tie it into um, getting themselves help and, and to like be self get um, now called self advocates. So the residents themselves were able to be self advocates. Um, soon joined the campaign for more humane treatment and equal protection under the law. But weird how they had to go through that back door to get there. Right. That's sad. anyway. Oh, oh, his name is Bill Baldini, not Bob. Bill. Well, um, I know I kept calling him Bob. That's an easy name. Um, I think I better have another little drinky and wet my whistle. I drank all mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there. Okay. Um, okay. So you're going to laugh at this one. Uh, I'm just going to call him Bill. He interviewed one of the doctors in charge. The doctor's name is Dr. Fear. Like that's his real name. What? Yeah. Are you serious? Are you sure he didn't change his name? I used to have a PE teacher named Dr. Payne or Dr. Payne, Mr. Payne. That was our PE teacher, Mr. Payne. He was probably put you through pain. (laughs) He did. This is really that's crazy. Doctor Fear. Um, in the interview, the doctor admits to inject. Okay, this is what he says. He's totally okay with it. He's like, yeah. So one of the patients. I'm just gonna skip through this because I remember the story. It's so horrifying. Yeah. So we have this one patient. He's kind of a bully amongst all patients. And uh, one of the patients came up to me, a little boy. We'll just call him Little Johnny. So Little Johnny came up to me and said that he had a red mark on his face. And I said, who did that to you? And he said it was. We'll call that the bully. Ralph. Ralph did it. And so I went up to Ralph and I told him, you know, hey, did you do this? And he said, yeah. And he's now mind you, we're dealing with mentally challenged human beings. Right. So you got to treat them with some kindness and care. And he said, um, so I told Ralph, Ralph's the bully, right? Did I get the mm-hmm. names right? Anyway, I told him that by the end of the day, he's going to wish, you know, like, I'm going to make sure he will never hurt another child and he's going to answer for what he did by the end of the day. Meanwhile, Ralph probably has the mentality of a child. Yeah, I mean, well, he is. He's a kid. He's not an adult. And so he's just being a kid. And if he has dysfunctions, maybe they were fighting over a toy and he hit him or who knows? We don't know. So Dr. Fear went to the uh, phlebotomist, I guess. Oh, no. And he said, what's the most, and he's having no problem saying this on the news station, what's the most painful injection that we can give somebody without causing any permanent damage? And so he said, so later that night when the kid was going to bed, I went in his room and we held him down. Well, I mean, I didn't physically hold him down. I would never do something like that. Oh, I have people do that for me. Yeah, he fucked up. You could see him fuck up and then back it up. Right. And he said, and I I gave him that injection and <laughs> it hurt. It really hurt him. And I'm like watching this dumbass say this on TV. Right. And he's so like proud of himself. And I'm thinking you gave this poor child who's probably mentally handicapped this horrifically painful injection. And he, the kid, it's now hours after the fact. Right. And the kid probably has no idea why he's getting this done to him. Not to mention, he's saying it's a harmless injection, but how much you want to bet it's it's not a harmless injection because I mean I'm pretty sure for it to hurt his whole body right can't be harmless so yeah it was disgusting listening to this guy so I better have a drink because I'm I'm traumatized I should go get my bottle you better go get another drink I'm just gonna get a bottle and start drinking out of it if, if the rest of the story is like this no the story is so sad are you gonna go get a drink 
I'm, I'm going to go run and get it real quick. I'm back. And I brought the bottle. <laughs> I was imitating the lady next to you. Did you see me? Do it. <laughs> Drink that bottle. We should get nipples that we could put <laughs> on top of them. I have to. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear lord uh, okay. okay so now he he has admitted that oh because he said he had to hurt oh because he hurt another patient blah 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 okay there is a play game room that is extremely active and un- with unsettled spirit okay so like this um every uh that kim russo mm-hmm. i watched she actually did a a segment in there because Beverly, oh. don't know her last name, from Seventh Heaven, had filmed. There's she actually filmed a movie there at Penhurst, and she had experiences there. So Kim Russo on her show, what's it called, The Haunting of, mm-hmm. and then whatever. Um, she went in there, and they went into this one area, and it's a play playroom game room right. area, and it's extremely active with unsettled spirit. And in that room, it said that the staff that's where they would rape the patients and so a lot of people would go in that room and feel that kind of activity and so um that's where they would rape them and that's where in that room that's where a lot of the women were given their abortions in that same area that building and it was also the standard practice to perform the hysterectomies on most of the women to prevent the pregnancies but also i think they um i think they sterilized the men too i don't think it was just the women wow but i i'm not i'm not clear on that um, the administration during the interview even admits to attempting to order. Oh, so like this, this uh, interviewer, this news guy with Bill was asking, like, how come? Because the state is responsible for keeping this place up. Right. And he's like, well, why haven't they? Like, why are they letting all these people live like this? And so this one administrator was like talking about how he ordered a bunch of bras for the women. But his hit the order kept coming back. And he he's like, well, why why the order come back what did it need and did you do what they needed and he's like yeah i mean he he could care less right so basically he was like fuck it i put the order in they rejected it and yeah i did what i could i'm not gonna try anymore i don't give a shit yeah so what this guy was saying was like just the basic necessities was it was being denied for these people so like to them bras were not something that was important for the women so if that's not important how much you want to bet like tampons Tampons. and pads and stuff were important i mean it doesn't sound like okay it's oh i'm trying okay it was extremely understaffed which i told you there was horrible physical and emotional abuse happening by the staff even the janitor was an Known for molesting the little boys. In 1981, a Time magazine article described the place as having a history of being understaffed, dirty, and violent. In 1983, nine employees were indicted on charges ranging from slapping and beating patients, including some in wheelchairs, to arranging for patients to assault each other. That's horrible. That is horrible. Um, they, what was I going to say about that? They were showing, in his series, he shows kids, like there's patients just rocking, sitting on the floor and rocking. And then there's patients that are like tied, strapped with just ties, you know, like ripped up sheets, it looks like. 
Right. And they're tied to the crib. And they're like, they're not baby. They're like five-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old. And they're like strapped down to these cribs. And you, it's, it's, it is horrific. It is the saddest. If you want to watch it and torture yourself, you should go ahead. But it is so sad. I, I, it was hard to watch. Um, in 1977, the U, a U.S. District Judge Raymond Broadwick ruled that the condi- conditions of Pennhurst State School violated patients' constitutional rights. The lawsuit that led to the ruling was filed May 30th, 1974 by Philadelphia attorney David Verlegger. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, representing the patient. <laughs> <laughs> we are so immature. Representing the patients of Pennhurst State School, the suit was later joined by the United States and by the Pennsylvania Association for Retarded Citizens. Pennhurst State School was ultimately closed in 1987. 1987. The 1,156 people who lived there on the date of the court's order, March 17, 1978, moved to into small community homes called community living arrangements. These settings supported three or fewer people with 24 hour staffing needed this process of deinstitutionalization required nine years and included discussion of treatment plans with each person and family so anyway they actually did like um an update of like where are they now these some of these patients that they could find right and they would ask like in the interview in um the 60s they were asking like what if you could have anything in this world what would you want and they would say to leave this place to get out of here and then um later they were interviewing people that you know after they put them in these homes right and they were like i would have died if I stayed in there. Like I wouldn't be here today. I would have died a long time ago and not had the chance to grow old. It's really so sad. It is. Anyway, uh, with thousands of people going into into this asylum, really it it was few that made it out and thousands that died probably horrible deaths. There is so much anger inside the, the walls because so many, like tens of thousands of people really that right. died there. Because I mean, 1908 to the 80s, people did not walk out of there. Right. Until they were made to, there were the and and there is there's just a lot of ick in there. They now utilize the property. Um, and what buildings survived? You know what's crazy? I heard somebody say like, if you ever notice buildings that aren't lived in, um, they they die. You know, and then buildings that that sometimes the when they die, like nature takes them over. So you see like the leaves and the trees grow through them and stuff. That's what's happening there with Mm. most of those buildings. And then the ones that they're able to save, they use. You know, they rent out for people to do movies in and then the ghost tours and they do haunted houses there and that's how they make their money. Right. So anyway, it, I mean, they're making money to keep it alive, I guess. But why? Because somebody else bought it. Oh. And make money. I know there's like some buildings where you're just like, you know, let's keep this alive. Let's keep it the memory of this and like keep it intact. But there's some things that just need to die. This just has so much ick in it. They should just like raise it. It's so gross. Okay. So how I heard about it was watching Ghostfinders, which I told you to watch. Right. Um, When they went in and explored it, they got crazy conversations on the spirit box when they, especially when they went down. So underneath there's the basement and then there's tunnels that 
connect all of the buildings, all the 25, 30 buildings. So there's crazy tunnels underneath. And when they went into the tunnels is where they got like Dr. Fear is still controlling. Yeah. So he's dead and gone, but he still controls. It sounds like because there's the, um, you know, the witch girl, Megan or whatever. And then, mm-hmm. of course, Rob, who has to, we, so you know, you know, is he how, like he's a spiritual medium, right? Or not. a He's like a physical medium or is he just uh, they, they just call him a medium. Oh, yeah. But he always I mean, is the same thing. getting possessed. I'm, I'm medium. I can channel, too, but they don't do that to me. Right. I mean, he, he's pretty fucking dramatic. Yeah, and it's usually when they're filming other people, it's like, oh, I'm not getting all the attention. So then I noticed that because I watched the whole series and I noticed it's when he wasn't getting attention. Then all of a sudden he would do this. And, and <laughs> if he's allowing all that, any energy, just anybody to come through the way he does, if that's true and he's really doing that, mm-hmm. then to me, people that are doing stuff like that, they are not listening to their guides, which tells me they don't know who they're working for. Right. They don't know if they're working for light or dark and they're working, you know, they're just mixing it up with both because they're not paying attention to their teachers and their guide. And so they are susceptible to anything and you which really can't trust what they say. Makes it dangerous for the people that are working with him that are sensitives. Yeah. And if he actually sees people outside of that and like helps them, he's not, he, he's very toxic then. He shouldn't be doing that because he's not. He's not paying attention. He's not listening. And that's where the ego comes in and is like dominating. He's letting his ego dominate everything instead of spirit guide and help. And that's the whole purpose of this is so that spirit can help us function in this world and do what we're supposed to do in a loving way. And when you have somebody doing that, he's not utilizing his gift the way it's supposed to be utilized right yeah i did i just watched that one the first one that you had told me when you sent me the link yeah 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 you would be irritated but this one i mean i liked watching believe it or not the the girl that calls herself a witch which i'm assuming she does she's uh, wiccan Wiccan, Mm -hmm. wiccan um but she was she has been i watched her communicate with other and even though sometimes she goes a little over for the most part what she does and what the spirit box was saying, it was matching up. So Dr. Fear came in and there's this little, there's like little kids there and they weren't able to get away because he's holding them there. And I think you and I, on like the previous episodes, were just talking or I was talking to somebody here, but we were, I thought it was us that were talking about child spirits. How, yeah. Like how come somebody had asked me like, well, if light, um, like if God's powerful, then how come God just doesn't come and take them? And I was trying trying to explain to them like some people they just don't want their they think they need to do stuff here mm-hmm. some are are yeah it's like the movie ghost you know when all the shadows come and they like take that it's like that it's like that like they're being held here by a darker force by the lower energies yeah right? and then they need something higher like sometimes i will call i'll ask for the archangel that Um, helps with bringing people to the other side to come and help somebody cross over. I obviously am not the one that's helping them cross over. I'm not powerful enough, but that archangel, I will ask them if like a soul had come to me for that, I would be like, oh, I need your help. I need you to help this soul and reach out to them so they can have that opportunity to cross over where in this, and that's what that woman did. That's what that Megan chick did is she gave that she, she had her protectors put up a shield of protection so that Dr 
beer was being blocked so that that child that wanted to be rescued was able to go to the light. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's kind of cool to watch because that really does happen. I mm-hmm. mean, that, I, don't, I don't call that being what she did. Anyway, she they, they got a lot on the spare box. Pretty much everybody, like, oh my gosh, when he went, CJ, when they went... They all get stuff on the spirit boxes, and it's pretty crazy stuff. I'm pretty sure Ghost Adventures has been there. Ghost Hunters has been there. You know Ghost Adventures has been there, and you know he's like, (laughs) Demons! Demons! Right, right. Uh, I believe... Oh, okay. Um, Oh, in that one... Um, Dr. Fear was actually acting as a dark energy holding back the others along with the janitor and some of the other not so nice energies. The janitor was also there scaring the kids. Yeah. Um, CJ, Omar and Sunny had things happen like, well, in the music room. Oh my gosh. CJ, because he's so funny. He cracks me up when he gets scared. CJ was walking down a hallway and the music room was like off to the left. Mm -hmm. And he's talking and filming and all of a sudden you hear and you can see nobody's in that room so you can hear this wooden chair slide and like move Mm -hmm. and so he's like oh my god (laughs) so he goes in the room and he's like like trying to debunk it and then he realizes that chair moved and there wasn't anybody in there and so that was pretty crazy like it's definitely a very active place also they had the music box um it's oh shoot what's it called a pbm i think it's called but anyway it's paranormal music box mm-hmm. so that the, the, the spirit forms walk in front of it and it makes the music box go off right and so they had set that up and then they were like you know if you want to let it go well at first they walk out of this laundry room area and it's like the dryer was going off. It was like, click, 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 click. So they're like, wait, what? So they run back and they were like, how is this happening? Like, why is this happening? That's right. There's no electricity in there for one thing. And that hasn't been on since the eighties. So, um, so they put the the music box there and every time they would start to walk away, (laughs) they would make it go off. Yeah. But here's the thing. They have this friend, Jazz, and I'm like screaming at the TV. Every time CJ does a thing with this Jazz guy, I'm constantly telling them, Spirit does not like that guy. Mm -hmm. Spirit doesn't like them. So anytime CJ goes to do something, Spirit will not react. Mm -hmm. And if if they do react, it's like in a way to like tell jazz to go away Mm -hmm. and and they're like wow i mean i wonder why they're always doing this when jazz is around and i'm screaming they don't like him spirits don't like him and i think it's because he's disrespectful and so like he'll take if there's toys like people will give toys in honor of the kids or something at certain sites he's been known to like move the toy he doesn't have respect he doesn't ask if he can move the toy right he doesn't ask if he can sit in the chair he just does things and cj will even be like guy don't do that like that's just disrespectful don't mess with their stuff but he'll do it anyway and he just he's very disrespectful and i think that's part of it they just they don't like him but Nobody listens to me. They don't like you, Jazz. You can't sit at our table. And they went another time with him and the the uh the spirit box. They were actually saying jazz in the spirit box, like saying something and saying his name. Yeah, it was crazy. Like fuck off, Jazz. Probably. Like, (laughs) we don't like you. Listen to Carlene. She knows what she's saying. As if. (laughs) Yeah. 
Oh my God. You can't be part of our group. Stupid. Anyway, CJ was looking at a pair of shoes, and when he turned around, it sounded like a metal table had moved or the door shut. Like you also hear a lot of banging. Like spirit. This is probably one of the most active places that I've watched. And like you can watch YouTube after YouTube and it's active. Like just these YouTubers going out there. CJ decided to throw a ball. Oh my gosh. Okay, so there was this like flat little ball. Well, in another YouTube that he did somewhere else. He threw a ball and then Spirit threw it back at him. Mm-hmm. So this time he was like, he he told them that story. He's like, yeah, I threw the ball and they threw it back at me. So let's see what happens. So they threw the ball and they're like, yeah, nothing happened. And so they go about doing their thing. And when they got to the end, like where the ball should be, the ball was gone. And they're like, where's the ball? They looked in all the rooms. The ball was gone. Nice. It disappeared. Spirit took it and ran. They were like, you're not playing with my fucking ball because Jazz is here. (laughs) (laughs) You ruined it for everybody, Jazz. Jazz doesn't get to play with my balls. (laughs) I'm going to drink on that. This wine is yummy, though. While Omar was filming, he caught on film. Um, I think they were in the tunnels, but they no, they might have been. They might have been up by that music room area. But he was filming like down a hallway, mm-hmm. and you can see it on there. Okay, a shadow figure that goes like from right to left. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, he caught ooh. it. He was freaking it. And sometimes when they say they catch shadow figures, I'm like, I didn't see anything. Like, no, there's nothing there. But that but one he, was. He caught it. Oh yeah, there was another one. Wait, was that? Oh, well, Kim Russo, the wait, I already said that one. Hold on. I jumped ahead. See, that's what happens when I'm not paying attention, reading my story. I'm just telling you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kim Russo, Um, she said, had confirmed some of the souls have stayed there because of the trauma, but she communicated. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there's this little girl that resides at the facility okay and the little girl's brother is also dead so both souls are dead the little girl is earthbound the brother is spirit on the other side okay and so the little boy was communicating with kim because he's on the other side see she listens to her people and um he's he's explaining to her why his sister is on is earthbound and he's explaining how because she won't come to the light yet he stays and watches over her while she's there and so um he says she stays because she wants to see that justice is done for all that we're all for all that everybody endured there mm-hmm. so she doesn't want to go to the light until she knows that justice has been served for what they've gone through and um that's so sad it's sad that he's kind of earthbound too in a way you know he's kind of held hostage to watching over her because she won't go yet you know it's really sad they entered the room where the sexual abuse and other horrible things occurred and they were prevented from entering a large num- a large area where there were like a number of male souls who were unsure of why they were there and because they were scared they came across a bit intimidating because of all the lights and stuff and they were even saying like the lights are bright the lights are bright to Kim you know spirit was saying mm-hmm. so Kim was letting them know like as a medium as being here it's important to be respectful to spirit and so she was doing just that and she was letting them know okay if you allow me to stay right here 
here. I will not cross this threshold. She didn't want to break that trust with them. She just like, don't come at me with your scariness. <laughs> I'm going to stay right here. You guys stay right there. I'm, I'm here with respect and I'm not, I just want to tell the story. Right. And so then the, the crew and the producers and stuff were like, Hey, can we go in here and film and stuff? Are you getting good bumpy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, listen, I already negotiated my terms with them. I don't want to, that's disrespectful if all of a sudden you guys just go in there. She said, I'm going to walk out and you guys do you, but I'm not going to break the trust. Yeah. What I already said to them. And so, because they came across so intimidating as a medium, as a sensitive, you know, your boundaries with that kind of stuff. And even if they're not mean energies, but they, they have, you know, so many people come in there and they disrespect their territory. They don't know what people's intentions are. You know, are they there to muster up darkness and make their life worse? You know, their soul life, are they there to try and hurt them in some way? Do they have to like be nasty ghosts? You know, I don't know. So they were just, there's just respect for all souls that we have. And almost every single single ghost hunting video you can hear the cries of spirit without any special equipment so just with them recording just on their phones or whatever you could hear the moans and the cries or them say words the whispers Ugh. if they want to say something yeah they didn't need special spirit boxes to hear stuff wow that's pretty, pretty powerful. Um, in most every single ghost hunting video, you can hear the cries of spirit without any special equipment, just on the video speaker. While every group also got EVPs, um, it's $500 to do a private tour. And because of the vandalism and so many people have tried to trespass that they have security and they don't put up with anything. They call the police and they have them arrested. There's wow. no like they press charges That's and good. it's like $500 or $1,000 whatever to get out they said that they have like some nights they'll have like 12 people arrested in a night crazy 1908 meant for 500 people 1911 already 1500 people the 1950s 5500 people even on the floor and state was not giving the hospital the funds needed that was just like a little side note i wrote wow yeah and it is it's like a scary place the tunnels and the basement i think are really scary so what were the tunnels for the tunnels are like just how they would like transport patients I think underneath I don't know okay I really I don't know they never really said what those were for I pretty much I did mention everything yeah I mentioned all my credits the YouTubers but isn't does that sound scary yeah that's pretty freaky Freaky, it's a sad story but that is sad especially when there's little kids yeah I hate when little kids are trapped. Yeah. Like and with all little... that sadness and dysfunction. And, and I guess like they were, Kim Russo was saying like how she could feel. Oh, she even felt, oh, they said they even treated the animals better than they treated the humans. Like the animals were given um, better treatment and like better food and better what care is that than living. Yeah. And they said, but she was walking up and she's like, oh, that's weird. Like, a, I feel like a horse just ran by me. And she didn't know that there was actually horses on that property. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. And she, so she, that's what she was saying. She was saying how just because of all the help. And see, for me, like when you go to the other side, you're all healthy and good. Right. And so I just think that they had been so tortured that even their deep souls didn't know that they could move a lot of them just didn't know that they could move forward right that's the only explanation i have for that all the people that went through there yeah 
And then the ones that are still like kind of trapped there. Especially like people with Down syndrome. Yeah. Ugh. So sad. Very sad. So it wasn't like a real boo scary story, but it actually is. If you watch some of the YouTubes, I don't think they're super scary. I just think it's like, holy shit, man. There's some, they're it's active. Super active. Very haunted. I mean, the banging, like the doors banging, the shadows, the, um. So yeah, on the Carlene haunted scale. Would you give it a... I would, I would give it, as far as just haunting, right. I would give it a, out of 10, I'd give it a solid eight and a half, nine. <laughs> Sally House, to me, is like really up there. Which one? The Sally House. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. As far as like... <laughs> like somewhere you're not going... No. Not on our list. But my daughter sent me some um, stuff. Jeannie. Remember Jeannie? Yeah, I do. She, she sent me some ideas. Oh. And so Allie sent me some stuff because Allie and her little honey are going to go to um, Bisbee. Oh. And they're going to stay at a, I think, at a haunted hotel. So I That's told a mining her, town, like, right? We have a lot of haunted mining towns around here. Yeah. So I told her, take some notes and uh, let me know how it is. Because, I mean, I, I want to go... I want us to go to Tombstone Globe Bisbee, like that whole little zoop. Right. Because that's like a good haunting road trip. We should do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's just take a road trip. I know. I feel any- better. I feel better. All right. Um, where was a place that I wanted to go? It was it's not even far. Oh, in um what is it? Not Wick Wickenburg? Yeah, it's right no. up the road. Well, not up yeah. the road, but it's Yeah, it was one that I was research searching. Or did I do a story on it last time? No. In Wickenburg? I don't think so. Anyway. Oh, I don't remember. There's a ghost town up there. Mm-hmm. I have the name of it somewhere. And I want us to go and check it out. Let's just go drive. Let's take a drive. Let's do it. Let's do it this week. I think I can go. You've been busy. Yeah, this week is busy, but I'm like on the weekend. I think I have the weekend. Maybe Saturday. You're freaking me out the way well, you keep turning cat, around. And then it's cat. dark behind you, so it gives it this yeah. different... And it's giving me kind of the chills. And Shadow just started like doing this weird scratch on the door. Okay. Freak me out a little bit. All right. That was good. I hope so. I hope everybody likes it. Let me know. Comment. Subscribe. Like. Yeah. Hit subscribe. This is the part where you hit subscribe. Yeah. And hopefully we can put this on YouTube. Yeah. But our Patreon people, like whenever we do these Zoom videos, I'm just going to put them on Patreon first and then I'll put end up putting them on. Just our Patreon people get to see them first. Yeah. Patreon definitely gets first dibs. Yep. So. And tell a friend. Huh? Tell a friend. Oh, I thought you said tell Fred. And I'm like, who's Fred? Fred is a brother in law who's our latest subscriber. Oh, that's right. Oh, Oh, how weird. Yeah, that That was crazy. That was weird, but I'm I'm still super excited that he's supporting us. I am. I am. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Fred. Fred Rika. <laughs> All right, lady. Well. All right, girl. Well. We're going to call it a night. I'm going to say cheers. That was a good story. Yeah, we're still trying to figure out our Halloween stories. Yes. If That's you guys have any ideas. Do. Yeah. This, we'll take our road trip. We'll do it there. For Halloween. Oh, that'll be a good idea. That'll be our Halloween episode. Hopefully we have Wi-Fi so that we can record. Well, we'll film it. 
okay. with the uh, video camera. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. You know, if it if it works. Can okay, I tell Shadow, you, Philip? He had yeah. messaged me a while back. I can't remember if I told you or not that he he's like, hey, we need to get together. We and now that we're doing the Zoom thing, <laughs> we've got that figured it out. He's like, hey, let's do it. He goes, and maybe oh. Carlene can give me a reading. That could be part of the shtick. Um, at the shtick. <laughs> Hey, if he's open enough to let me read him and not like, you know, go ahead. <laughs> but I would totally be down for that. All right. We'll have to plan it. We'll have to plan it. You hear that, Philip? If you're listening. You know, that, that could be a Halloween show, too. That could. Well, yeah, that could I'll get scary. Dress, <laughs> I'll even dress like a gypsy lady or like a witch. Okay. <laughs> you have to dress like a gypsy lady. I'll do the tipsy. I'll, I'll do the tipsy lady. You do the gypsy lady. Okay. I'll do it. <laughs> All right, Carlene. Have a All good right, night. Anna. See you later. See you later. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Bye. I like the jazz hands. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>